It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. And now we truly do mean every day as we move back to every single day, Monday through Friday, you will have a new Locked On Thunder episode in your podcast feed, whatever podcast platform you use. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button to Locked On Thunder. If you're on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. And on today's show, there's a ton of to get to. We've made it through the sports hiatus. The Thunder are practicing again. The team plays NBA games next week with the start of the scrimmage period, and there's a whole lot to get into on today's episode. We're going to go over what's happened so far at Thunder practice, some injury reports from the Thunder, and also Adrian Wojnarowski got into some huge drama this weekend of ESPN. But let's start with the Thunder practice, and the Thunder have officially entered the bubble. Can you uh, go in the bubble? Well, you have to put so many things on because of the germs. The gloves, the mask, it's a whole production. The Thunder have made it past the first quarantine of the bubble. Whenever you first enter the Disney World bubble, the teams had to stay in their hotel room for about two days. And when the Thunder arrived to Disney World, Stephen Adams was carrying those two to-go bags of food, which he later told us was lasagna, a couple batches of lasagna. So he did not eat any of the of the pre-packaged quarantine food that you saw on some players' Instagram accounts. But they're past that stage now. They're out living their life in Disney World as best they can. You see Darius Baisley uh, on Instagram going fishing. That was hilarious. If you have not seen that video anywhere, uh, it's all over Twitter. It's hilarious him fishing and, and trying to touch the fish and grab the fish. Uh, but They've made it past that point, and they've been practicing since Friday. They've had three straight days of practice, which is not particularly normal. I mean, sometimes, you know, even in a normal training camp, you do have a scheduled off day if you go back-to-back days. Uh, But they just went three straight days. Now, the first two days were full contact, and then uh, today on Sunday was no contact. So it wasn't full contact the whole way. But in those three practices so far, which were, again, back-to-back-to-back, Every single player who made the trip to Disney World did play, including Andre Robertson. And I honestly could not tell you uh, the last time that he played uh, or practiced in three straight days. And I was talking to Brady Trantham on Twitter about this, and uh, he did do back-to-back in training camp. For some reason, I remembered him uh, only going one uh, every other day in training camp, but he did do back-to-backs in training camp. But I can't remember the last time he did three straight days. So this is a good sign for him, even though Sunday was no contact. Uh, But... All signs with Andre, we're going to talk about this a lot tomorrow, but all signs with Andre are very, very positive. And I updated you on Twitter of, of where I'm at confidence-wise, and I've kind of been under 50-50 for a long time. Uh, this week, it got moved up to 50-50, and now, as we sit today, I'm at like 70% positive and then 70% sure that Andre will play in some capacity at Disney World. I really do think uh, that this time it is different. I know that we've seen... This story before with Andre, we've seen him say he's a full go. We've even even seen to an extent the organization push him in a certain way uh, to practice and to play, Uh, but it's never been like this. You have true expectations being put onto him by Chris Paul, by Lou Dort, by Shea. Each of the last times that he's tried to come back, 
the players have been timid. The players have been saying, yeah, you know, it, it would be great if this happens. It would be awesome if he could come back. This time, you're hearing Chris Paul. You're hearing Shea and Dort. All the guys that spoken to the media say he looks good. He looks ready to go. He's going to be a huge addition. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. Uh, and so they're not holding back punches. And Billy Donovan is still being timid with it. And that's to be expected. Billy Donovan is very coy with the media. He doesn't really uh, give you a lot of straight answers in terms of um, you know lineups, which we'll talk about, and things like that. So he hasn't been um, as as forward with Andre as the players have. The players make it sound like he is a full go and he's truly ready to play basketball. And that's what's really pushed me to that 70% mark. And we're going to talk all about Andre tomorrow. Basically the entire show tomorrow is going to be about Andre, uh, but it's a good sign right now. Everything is positive right now for Andre Robertson. And, and I cannot remember this level of optimism from the players, from the organization to fan bases, to media members. I cannot remember uh, anyone being this positive on Andre uh, that we are to this extent. And even myself included, I'm more positive now than I have been since the injury happened about Andre Robertson playing games for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So speaking of Billy Donovan, really um, the media availabilities have always included Billy Donovan this weekend, ever since the, the practice are, practices are over, of course. Uh, we always get the coach, and then they cycle through players. But Billy Donovan, as normal, hasn't said anything too out of the ordinary, but he did say something, or rather didn't say anything, uh, about Lou Dort starting. He was very noncommittal about if Lou Dort would be in that lineup uh, in that starting lineup. And I don't think there's too much to read into here. I did read into it a little bit this weekend, uh, but you, you sit back and think about it. And here's a coach that has never uh, made a firm stance on the, on the starting lineups, even in the years that, that he would roll out the same lineup game one to 82 in the pregame, he'd always uh, play coy with it. He'd always act like uh, he didn't know what was going to happen. Even though you could you could have just rolled out the exact same uh, you know graphic, which the Thunder did do one time, by the way, they rolled out the exact same graphic with the same you know without changing the team at the bottom, which is hilarious on Twitter. But you know he keeps his lineups the same, and you see the success that the success that Lou Dort has had in that starting five. I think that you know Lou Dort is going to be confirmed in the starting lineup once we play games in August, because Dennis does deserve to start to some capacity. Uh, you look at the lineups and he is their best guy. You know, he's part of their best five in terms of lineup statistics and things like that. But that dynamic of having Dennis Schroeder off of your bench and having him in your closing lineups, that's something you don't want to mess with. I, I really, really like Dennis in that, you know, bench role. I think that he's taken to it very well. Uh, Billy Donovan spoke about that today, uh, saying how, how, much sacrifice goes into that and how great and receptive that Dennis Schroeder has been for that because Donovan acknowledged today that, you know, Dennis could be a starter on almost any other NBA team, but for the betterment of this squad, he is putting himself on the bench and, and, and allowing Billy Donovan to put him on the bench and, and really enhance what this team can do. I think that Dennis makes this second unit so much better. And to change the starting lineup, you would go from Dennis being your lead ball handler to... Lou Dort in that second lineup whenever you have guys coming off the floor. Now, Lou Dort is capable of being a point guard, uh, but at the NBA level, I just don't see it. I, I think that this is the best possible pathway uh, to success with the, th with the Thunder is if Lou Dort is in your starting lineup and then you have a guy like Dennis leading your second unit. And then in closing time, then we can switch up the starting five. You don't got to put the exact same five out there. Uh, you can put Dennis out there if it fits better. Uh, the closing lineup is much more important than the starting five. But in my opinion, you just can't change anything because of how well Lou Dort has 
has played in that starting five, and you even look further in, into that, Lou Dort has not been able to practice with this team until now. He's been on that two-way contract, which NBA's teams do not let you you know, practice with them on a two-way deal because that goes against one of your days with the squad. On a two-way deal, you only get 45 days with the team. So if you're spending one of those days practicing, that's not a very efficient use of your time. You want to spend all 45 uh, days on a game day, and on game days, you're not really practicing. So Lou Dort played that well on a two-way deal without practicing with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And now he's getting to do that. So I think that we will see an even bigger step from him in Orlando. And, and Billy Diamond talked today about those guys coming back, you know, the young guys, uh, Hamadou Diallo, Darius Baisley, and even Lou Dort coming back look, looking even stronger. And he, he made a joke about, you know, I don't know if you can believe me whenever I say that Lou Dort looks stronger, but he does. I think that this team's going to be very exciting to watch. And I don't think the starting lineup will change. That was kind of the big talking point this weekend from the media sessions that was about, Donovan not committing to Lord Lou Dort being the starter, but I will advise he's done this his whole career, right? Even whenever you can, again, just shoot off the starting five in the pregame, he'd act like he had no idea what he's going to do. He'd act like he had no idea what his lineup was going to be, even though it hadn't changed all season long. So I don't think there's anything to look into here. We're going to talk all about Andre tomorrow. I don't think that no matter what he does, is he going to be healthy enough to, to start games? So taking him out of it, you look at what Ferguson has done. He's not good enough to start. That's just the bottom line of it. And then again, Dort has been so effective in this role, even without practice time with the Thunder, which is an under-talked-about story. Whenever we talk about how good Lou Dort has been, we rarely bring up that fact that he has not practiced with the Thunder that often this season. So I think the starting lineup is confirmed, but Billy Donovan can continue to uh, you know, be non-committal in the media about that. So after the break, we're going to continue to talk about Thunder practice and also Thunder injury you know, news and other things like that. But first, I want to talk to you about our good friends over at rockauto.com because Rock Auto has been serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you had no idea how to work your email address properly, but you could have been buying auto parts stores online and getting them delivered right to your door and working on your car from there. There's no point to go to a chain auto parts store and find the parts you need because all they're going to do is order a part online for you and then upcharge you for that part. Skip the upcharge, go to rockauto.com, save a ton, a ton of money at rockauto.com. Their website is so user-friendly and it helps you narrow down the parts that are compatible and that you need for your specific vehicle. They have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of parts from hundreds of manufacturers and models. Just go ahead and go on over to rockauto.com for an amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So there are still a few practice notes, and then we'll move on from this, but they haven't put out too many videos involving actual you know, basketball, but the video that they did put out was Shea and Chris Paul going back and forth in that shooting competition that you've seen. Uh, Chris Paul and Shea have done this the entire season, uh, but Shea looked really good. And this goes back to even in the quarantine period, whenever we first saw Shea uh, do some open court workouts and things like that, his shot looks so much improved. It looks so much, you know, so much more 
fluid than it did before. He's nailing shots consistently from beyond the arc. And again, there's no defense. It's an empty gym. They're really just playing an after-practice game against each other. But it was so encouraging to see Shea, who's already shooting the ball pretty well this season, look even more improved. And if he can take that next step on Orlando after a layoff that has been longer than all the last three off seasons, it's going to be very fun to watch this team play. And he said it himself. He hasn't really stopped playing basketball. So maybe he's going to be one of these guys that's ready to just hit the ground running once we return to games. Next week, he starts scrimmages on Friday, I believe. And you get those three scrimmages, you get the eight games, and then you get the playoffs. And we'll see how Shea can perform. You can go back and listen to last Friday's episode with Olivia Penchall. And she's very high on Shea becoming a Paul George level player. And we're going to see that in Orlando. I think that he's going to take a lot of people uh, nationally by surprise. And they haven't really realized just how good he is. He's a, he's the top and he's the leading scorer on a top five basketball team in the Western conference. I mean, this is very impressive what he's doing at just 22 years old today. Uh, Happy birthday, Shay, by the way, if you're listening to locked on thunder, but This is going to be fun watching the Thunder compete. That's pretty much all the practice news. Let's move into some injury notes we got before uh, before the bubble started. Isaiah Roby is out, and he did not travel to the bubble because he had season-ending surgery on his right plantar fascia or whatever in his foot, I guess. Uh, Roby was traded for uh, Justin Patton whenever the, the Thunder sent Justin Patton to Dallas. And the Mavericks gave him a huge contract on draft night last year, which was mind-boggling at the time because even out of Nebraska... I didn't see it with Roby. Obviously, the Mavericks did. They gave him $1.5 million next season, $1.7 million the season after that, and then a team option for $1.9 million the following season. He's already 22 years old. As a second rounder, this was a massive, massive deal. I really hate the deal. Uh, Roby, again, I didn't see with him in college, uh, but it's fine. Again, the deal is massive for a second rounder, but in the grand scheme of basketball, in the grand scheme of the NBA, it's really nothing. It's really just a drop in the bucket for NBA teams. But that's still a lot of money to pay for a guy who's a second rounder that I don't see any potential in. The Thunder probably do. Uh, but this isn't a big deal that he's not going to be in Orlando. I didn't expect him to get many minutes anyway. Uh, we'll see if they sign a substitute player. I do not think that they will, obviously. Uh, but nonetheless, he's out if you cared about the Isaiah Roby progression watch in these eight games uh, whenever we restart. But I did want to talk about the Thunder being a dark horse Uh, in the West, because this is something, again, that Olivia and I talked about on Friday, and I've always been confident, I've always said, the expectations for this Thunder team should be a second-round appearance. The expectation level for the Thunder fans, it went from being house money, it went from being just happy to, to, you know, net back all those draft picks and to get Shea back, and being a fun little story, and then around January, it started shifting to, okay, this is a playoff team, and then around February, you became, wait a second, can this team actually compete? And for me, where we sit right now before these eight games, is the Thunder should absolutely be a second-round team. If the Thunder do not reach the second round for the first time since Kevin Durant left, this season will feel empty, as empty as it can feel, because again, it started out just so blissful, where you weren't even, you didn't even care if they won or lost, because you were just Uh, ready for the next phase of this Thunder squad. ESPN gave them a 0.2% chance to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year. They're the five seed in the West. They should be the four seed if they got to play that game against Utah the night that the NBA got canceled. But nonetheless, for me, this team, the expectation level should be at least a second-round appearance. Olivia was talking to me on Friday about this team going to the Western Conference Finals, and that got me really excited, as I'm sure it did many of you. So this week, 
let's break down a pathway for the Thunder to get to the Western Conference Finals. So tomorrow, let's talk about the Utah Jazz. Let's break down the matchup. Let's break down what can happen in a series with Utah. On Wednesday, let's talk about the Rockets. On Thursday, the Nuggets. And on Friday, the Mavericks. And then the next week, on Monday and Tuesday, we'll talk about the Lakers and the Clippers. Because can this team really get to the Western Conference Finals? Again, for me, it's always been second round. But Olivia made a good point about it's a, it's going to be a wild season. There's going to be upsets whenever you take away the home court advantage, you take away the travel, you take away the advantage of being a higher seed. There's going to be some upsets. And the Thunder, if you're going to look for a dark horse, you're going to look for an upset. It's really the Thunder. Because while in the West, you really look at Oklahoma City and Dallas, while Dallas has Luka and KP, the stars, KP is injury prone and he's still not 100%. He was still shaking off the rust, and he was just hitting his stride once this season got put on pause. How much rust does he have whenever this season restarts? And also with that, with Dallas, I've mentioned it before, they are terrible in the clutch. As good as Oklahoma City is in the clutch, they are just as bad in the clutch. With the Thunder, you have Chris Paul, you have Shea, you have Gallinari, three guys who whose games translate to the playoffs and you have that chemistry, you have that clutch factor where if you can keep games close, which the Thunder rarely, if ever, get blown out. So it seems like every game should be close. This team could be a dark horse and could upset some of those big names in the restart. So before we break down those teams, starting again tomorrow, we're going to go through and break down the teams most likely the Thunder will have to go through to get to that Western Conference Finals. Go ahead and hit me up on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Styles. Let me know where you think the Thunder will land this season when it's all said and done. Again, that's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you don't have Twitter, don't worry. Go ahead and weigh in on the email, lothunderpod at gmail.com. So let me know where you think Oklahoma City will be whenever this is all said and done in this restart. After the break, we're going to talk about some NBA news, just talking all about the NBA right after this. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's backtrack all the way back to the start of this bubble once players entered. I told you they had to go through that two-day quarantine period in their hotel room, just strictly you know, staying in their hotel room. They got these really... Um, these, these prepackaged meals delivered to them to kind of limit contact and to limit the exposure, obviously. And the players were posting their hotel rooms and posting uh, their food on, on Instagram and complaining about it. And John Rondo called a Disney World suite a Motel 6. And this is a, a sport that has been so pro-player from the front office down, from the front office to the fan base. It's been so pro-player. There's more people who are fans of just LeBron James, not the Lakers, not the Cavs, not the Heat, of just wherever LeBron goes, that's where they're a fan. And there's many people like that with different sort of players. This sport, unlike any other, is not rooting for laundry, the old Jerry Seinfeld stand-up. It's not rooting uh, for, for just the jersey out there hopping around. This fan base in the NBA roots for players and for the players to take that and to call a Disney World suite a Motel 6 and to call 
average food. I mean, it, it's something that you or I would, would go eat right now to, to call average food just disgusting and trash and garbage when in a global pandemic, someone had to prepare that food for you. So someone had to go out and work during a global pandemic and in Florida where cases are skyrocketing to prepare you food and then you just trash it on Instagram. It was not a good look for the players this weekend. They tried really hard to act like this was fire Festival when in reality, you're at Disney World, you're only getting these these prepackaged meals for two days, and then you're going to go back to having your personal chefs, which the NBA has always said you're going to have in the bubble. They can send you food. They're going to have the best chef there preparing food after those two days after you quarantine in Disney World. So to complain about this, and especially Rondo calling it a Motel 6, is hilarious uh, that they expected the public to be on their side, and they expected the public to... Um, you know, again, just take their side and, and to be like, oh, it's so tough that you're in this bubble. Now, the tough part is leaving your family and things like that. The tough part is not the living conditions. Look at the WNBA. Look at what they've had to go through in their bubble before you start calling a Disney World suite a Motel 6. Was it the food in the hotels that NBA players are accustomed to? Absolutely not. But this was always going to be a random set of circumstances you're never going to have to go through again. And to complain again about Disney World food that most people eat without without even blinking twice was hilarious. And then the Hotel 6, the Motel 6 comment was just, you didn't even call it a Hilton? It wasn't even a Hilton Gardens? It was a, a Motel 6, Rondo? That's what you thought Disney World was? A Motel 6? It's just ridiculous that the players did that. Again, especially for a league that is so pro player and the public is always, always, always on the player's side. Unlike any other organization, it was just funny to see all of that happen and go down on Instagram. Another funny thing that happened on social media this weekend was Adrian Wojnarowski getting suspended from ESPN. Now let's break that part down first. ESPN suspending a reporter is the dumbest thing they've ever done. And ESPN has done a lot of dumb things, but this is the dumbest thing they've ever done. What good does suspending a reporter do? His job, really, Woj, is to tweet. He's basically a professional tweeter, and maybe you'll click on the follow-up article. Maybe. Most of you don't even do that. Most of you just read his tweets. So that's all he does. And the fact that he gets to say sources tell ESPN is the big deal for ESPN. You're going to see ESPN and all of his reports, and they hope that that drives you towards their website, their television product, and things like that. And Woj does make special appearances on The Jump, on Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt, and different things like that. But to publicly suspend him is so unnecessary. All you have to do, if you want to, uh, if you want to silence him a little bit, continue to let him break stories for you. Because what if, God forbid, someone gets coronavirus in the next week and Woj is suspended? Are you going to let him report that, or are you going to give that scoop to Shams? I mean, what's going to happen then? Again, God forbid anyone catches it in the NBA or around the world, but you did this for nothing. All you had to do, instead of suspending him, if you wanted to punish him in some way, is not have him on as a guest for a week. Tell all of your shows you can't book Woj this week. Do that behind closed doors, and it's over. Allow him to continue to do his job as a reporter. Now, suspending guys like Bill Simmons whenever he was there, Colin Cowherd whenever he was there, and as recently as Dan Lebitard, uh, I think a few months ago he got suspended again, but he's been suspended a lot, Dan Lebitard has. Getting guys on air suspended is different. On air guys, you want to send a message to their audience of saying, hey, we don't support what he just said on our airwaves. Doing this to Woj over an email to a political you know, 
whatever in Missouri. I think he's in the I think he's in the house or whatever he is in Missouri. This this knucklehead in Missouri emails Woj saying, "Why aren't you doing your job? Why aren't you talking to the NBA about the fact that they're allowing these social justice messages on uh, player jerseys, but they're not doing anything for China?" And if you remember the Daryl Morey saga from China, where he lost the NBA a ton of money for speaking out against the injustices that people in China face and Hong Kong face, uh, and the NBA did not back Daryl Morey at all, which I don't agree with. I would have backed him a ton because you should really speak out against all injustices, including uh, what Daryl Morey did with China. And it wasn't like Daryl Morey went out of his way to do it, or it wasn't topical. The NBA was truly playing games in China and truly promoting China and promoting their product to China. And Durham Moore was saying, hey, I don't agree with, with what their government and their system is all about. And instead of backing him like they back everyone else, they threw him under the bus. And that's okay. We all know it's for the almighty dollar. But for a politician in Missouri who does not have an NBA franchise, the NBA has no bearing on Missouri. The NBA doesn't care about Missouri. In Missouri shouldn't care about the NBA. You're not going to see the Missouri whatevers in this restart. They don't have a team. So for a politician in Missouri to write this long email to Woj, to the NBA, to ESPN, and all the other parties he sent it to, it was a waste of time and a waste of resources, and that's why politicians suck for the most part. What good did that accomplish? Did he expect the NBA to read this from a random Missouri politician and say, oh, you know what? Yeah, let, let's backtrack on our six-month-long stance on China just because of this one Missouri politician. You could have done so much more, and you could have done so much with your time that was more effective than this, but you chose to send this email to Woj and try to play gotcha screenshot and try to be best friends with Clay Travis. That's what the Missouri politician was trying to do. Because the immediate second he got a reply from Woj, he screenshots it and sends it to Clay Travis. And he got the he got the response from Woj he wanted. Woj said, F you. That was all he said. He even left sent from my iPhone in there, which I found particularly funny. But he, he said F you to this politician uh, you know, who said that Woj was not doing his job uh, by calling out the NBA for not supporting China while they support all these other causes. And, and ESPN suspends Woj and says that they do not back, you know, what he did and how he handled, uh, you know, the email reply. I get it. Professionally, you shouldn't say that to somebody. You should really just ignore it. But but I don't think it warrants a suspension, especially whenever you consider all that has happened uh, with ESPN and on their airwaves, that, that this was the bottom line. An email reply to a Missouri senator or Missouri politician, whatever he is, about the NBA. It was strange. It was a wild weekend. You see players right now tweeting out free Woj. LeBron James tweeted out free free Woj. It's crazy to me. And ESPN again steps in it with the suspension, in my opinion. So that's pretty much the, the Woj drama. Again, what was that Missouri politician trying to accomplish there? He shouldn't really care about the NBA. He should care about improving Missouri, that's kind of your job. Your job is not to handle the NBA's affairs, especially whenever the NBA has no bearing on Missouri at all. They're not playing in Missouri. They don't have a team in Missouri. Again, it just felt like you wanted to get the attention. You wanted to become friends with Clay Travis for some reason. I don't know why uh, you felt like Clay Travis was that big of a deal that you needed to go out on this limb here and become friends with him that way. Uh, but that's the bottom line. He wanted attention. That's why I'm not saying his name right now. I don't care about him. It was a stupid thing to, to use your time on, was to send an email to Woj and Adam Silver and people in the NBA. But nonetheless, Woj, 
probably shouldn't have said F you, especially on the ESPN email account, but I don't think it warrants a suspension, especially when you consider he's just a reporter. That's all he has is a reporter. So you're basically telling him not to tweet and you're basically telling him don't scoop anything, which hurts your traffic. It was wild to me that ESPN decided to do that. But speaking of scoops, seconds after it felt like that Woj got suspended, which by the way, it's funny we only care about cancel culture whenever it doesn't affect your side of things because Clay Travis, of all people, was so excited that Woj got canceled and Woj got suspended that it was just hilarious considering he's the guy that's also just infuriated whenever someone that does something bad on the other side gets suspended. But nonetheless, let's talk about Shams getting his first scoop since Woj was suspended, and that was that LeBron James will simply wear James on the back of his jersey. And I saw a lot of people criticizing him. My only criticism with him is the response to it. I believe that he said that, you know, he wasn't informed and he wasn't really um, he wasn't really involved in, in this decision-making process. If that's what he meant, again, quotes can be taken out of context a ton. So if that's what he truly meant, then that's a bad look to me because we all know he's best friends with Chris Paul, the head of the PA. He, we all know he's in Adam Silver's pocket. It seems like the NBA would not make this decision without at least saying, hey, LeBron, this is what we're going to do, or this is what we're thinking about doing. What are your thoughts on this? I really don't think that he would be left out of the loop. And again, since these media availabilities are only being transcribed on Twitter or if you have the credentials to get into the Zoom conference, since we can't really hear what he said, I'm not going to hold him down on that point. But if he did say that the reason he's not doing it is because he was not involved in this decision-making process, that's concerning to me. I don't like that because I just find it hard to believe that he was not involved. To keep James on your jersey, that doesn't mean anything to me. That doesn't mean that he's less of an activist. That does not mean that he's less of a credibility, you know, credible source for activism. I think he just doesn't want to put anything on the back on the back of his jersey besides James, and that's fine. I, I really think that he should be respected either way you go. Uh, Chris Paul is going to put something on the back of his jersey. I believe equality will be on the back of Chris Paul's jersey. He told us that three other Thunder players or multiple other Thunder players are going to do the same thing. Not necessarily equality, uh, but something on their jersey uh, for different reasons and things like that. Again, the NBA released a whole list of, of acceptable uh, replacements for your last name on your jersey. Credit to Chris Paul for using equality and using his platform. He fought really hard to get this to happen. And everyone involved deserves a huge shout out with this. Because if you go back to this summer, uh, to give you a peek behind the curtain kind of in-depth, we all think that Nike is just this conglomerate, which it is. Uh, but you go back to the summer whenever the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis. And LeBron, if you remember, this is a buried storyline because it doesn't really matter that much. But LeBron, if you remember was going to give up 23 for AD, and he was going to go back to six. And people were so excited, including myself, hey, we're going to get LeBron James six back whenever he was in Miami. He was so good with that number, and now he's going to bring it back in LA. AD's going to keep number 23. It's going to be pretty awesome. And Nike stopped it because they had printed too many uh, 23 LeBron jerseys that it would cost them way too much money to now manufacture uh, LeBron James six jerseys and AD 23 jerseys. So... Nike put it into that because of, you know, the, the processing and two player switching. Now you're going to have a ton of NBA players switching their Jersey during quarantine in a short notice. You have to have game jerseys, not just, you know, fan jerseys, but game jerseys uh, of that quality to these players. That's going to be very interesting. And it's, and it's impressive that Nike is taking on that challenge for the betterment of the players, for the betterment of their protests and their cause. So credit to Nike 
credit to the NBA, credit to Chris Paul, and also the WNBA. They were the first league to officially announce this. It's hard to know who was the first one with this idea, but they were the first one ready to announce it. So I think that the WNBA deserves a ton of credit with creating this pathway uh, to this idea and, and birthing this idea uh, and platform for players to use. And I've talked about it before, putting it on the jersey is a big deal. That's in your face. You cannot miss this if you're going to watch basketball. Whereas if you tell them to wait till the post-game press conference, you can automatically avoid that if you do not want to hear it. This is in your face. If you want to enjoy the product, you're going to have to listen to these players and listen to their platform, which I very much appreciate from the NBA. Uh, one last note before we get out of here is traveling. Now, Nikola Jokic did test positive for coronavirus, but he did pass the test needed to travel. However, he missed his plane. And Mike Malone says he expects Jokic back in camp and back in Disney World relatively soon, sooner rather than later, he said. And he'll have to go through that two-day period. So once he gets there, he'll have to re you know, he'll have to quarantine in his hotel room for two days and not practice. So that puts you even further behind schedule once you travel to Disney World. And then Games start, you know, uh, you know, I think games start next week on Saturday with the scrimmages. Uh, so he's not gonna have a ton of time to get ready. And same with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Uh, now, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, Mike D'Antoni said he hopes that they're going to be in camp sooner rather than later. It's he sounded not as sure as Mike Malone. And that's interesting to me. We know that from Instagram and things like that, apparently Russell Westbrook has not been with his family at all. Uh, now, I'm not going to speculate on if he has it. I will say that if he did, he would not be one of the players that signs off on getting his name released. I, I highly, highly, highly doubt that if he had it, he would give the NBA permission to release that he had it. So I'm not going to speculate that, but it's pretty odd that him and James Harden both are not in camp with the Rockets and did not make the flight in the first trip there. And same thing applies for them. Once they travel to Orlando, they still need to go through that two-day period before they can rejoin the Rockets fully. And Kawhi Leonard also is not in the bubble just yet. All these guys will be back, I'm sure, by game one and ready to play by game one. I'm sure by the time you listen to this on Monday morning, they might all be there or on their way there. So nothing really huge to take away, but it is going to be a setback. And we've talked all about during this layoff how these players are going to have to get adjusted to life in Disney World before they play. And it's going to be such a revamp period. And they're going to have to you know, get their bodies ready, get their bodies in shape you're missing a huge chunk of time here. The Thunder, for example, have had three practices. And again, you're going to miss at least two more days once you're there. And then you can start practicing again. And then you can go right into games. And hopefully, for all these players' sake, they can be healthy. They can be in Disney World. And they can go this season without facing any sort of injury or things like that. But so far, those are the biggest names not in Orlando. But they're all expected to be there on time to play games as of right now. So that'll be exciting to watch. And again, tomorrow's show will be awesome. We're going to talk all about Andre Robertson. We're going to talk about what he can be. And we're also going to break down the Utah Jazz and have the Thunder Fair against Utah. That was Locked on Thunder. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Let me know what you thought about this show and your thoughts on the Oklahoma City Thunder. We will see you next time tomorrow morning on Locked on Thunder. Be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 